Welcome to the Park Church Sermon Podcast. This is the audio portion of our weekly sermon. For more resources, check the show notes or visit www.parkchurchdsm.com. We'd also like to invite you to check out our weekly podcast, Inside the Park, where we take Sunday to the weekday. Available everywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening. Amen. That was powerful. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord and to be able to sing to our God? We're just mere humans and God has allowed us to sing unto him like this because of what Christ has done. So good to be here today. My name is Trent and um, I'm on staff here at Park Church. I used to be at staff at uh, Soteria for many years. I did youth ministry and then followed up with some counseling And um, I go back with Pastor Brad years ago, years ago when Brad was just a rebellious little teenager. In fact, my wife Lydia and I were his youth leaders, and we helped straighten him out. He gave us a lot of problems and grief, but we helped make him the man who he is today. It's not much, but it's, it's, he's a work in progress, aren't we all though? Amen. Yeah, um, so yeah, we, we have lots of uh, history together. Brad moved on, and then he came back as a youth pastor, and I was a youth pastor, so we did youth events together. This was during uh, the, the stages where Brad was listening to a lot of Justin Bieber, as you can tell. <laughs> he was a big fan of the Biebs, and uh, he was fun. Um, so the next picture here. This is us without our shirts. We, were the, we thought we were the kings of the world. We thought we were like the youth pastors of Iowa. Nothing could tear us down because we could have our shirts off in the middle of winter and go down toboggan rides together in the snow. We were, we were all, no, that's good. Let's keep that up there. Look at Brad. It's all right. I had a lot of hair to um, keep myself warm. I don't know what Brad was doing to keep himself warm, but now here we are today, Brad. We're uh, venturing on the east side together. Yeah, you can get rid of that picture. Um, Venturing on the east side together where shirts are still optional, right? I'm not sure if they were optional in our youth pastor days, but oh well, um, we didn't get fired. We, we, we survived. No, but it's, it's been fun to be a part of this church plant, um, just to work alongside of you guys. You guys are awesome to work with, so much enthusiasm and charisma, just to see what God is doing. We're only four or five months into this, and look, what we, look what's going on. It's so fun to be a part of, of what God is doing here at Park Church, to see his hand leading. Well, we're going to continue In our series, as you know, of the past few weeks, we've been going over the book of Colossians. And the first part of Colossians, we were talking about how Christ is ruler over all. And just last week, we started a new series within the series called Christ Over My Relationships, where Brad was able to talk yesterday about how that works between the husband and the wife. Here's what the Lord says through God's word today in Colossians 3, 20-21 is going to be our text. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so they won't become discouraged. That's it. That's all our text is for the day. 
Isn't that great? Now, usually pastors will spend about 30 minutes explaining the text, but I don't have to explain it. This is pretty black and white, right? It's simple. So we're done. Kids, we're done. Isn't that great? Mark, do you have a closing song? No, I'm kidding. Sorry. We're going to stay here for a little bit because uh, we've got a lot of families here. And uh, I know when there's a lot of families, there's a lot of sin. And we've got to unpack this, right? So I find it interesting. There's only two passages in the New Testament that give specific commands to parents and children. Only two passages. One we just read in Colossians. The other one is very similar, and it's also written by Paul, and that's in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may have a long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's what we got in the New Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, we've got Proverbs, which speaks a lot about parenting, but this is all we have in the New Testament. My question is, why so little? We've got all these families and we've got all this sin. Why so little? What's going to take care of the sin that we have in our families every day? Well, as you are beginning to learn here at Park Church, the more you understand the gospel, the more you understand how life works. The more you understand how that works in parenting. Author William Farley, by the way, he wrote my most favorite parenting book. If you guys are looking for a great resource, this is called Gospel-Powered Parenting by William P. Farley, How the Gospel Shapes and Transforms Parenting. Great book. I highly suggest you can find it on Amazon or any other Christian bookstore. But he says this, there are so few scriptures because the gospel is the classroom that teaches us everything we need to know to become effective parents. The gospel is the classroom for our lives to become effective parents. You see, when we are gospel-centered people, we will have gospel-centered families. Gospel-centered families will naturally have a healthy fear of God. And they will teach their children to have a healthy fear of God. Gospel-centered families will understand humility because we look to Jesus Christ, our Lord, who modeled this for us as he went to the cross and served us. And we find forgiveness as well. It's a huge part of, of family is forgiveness because of all the sin. We're going to discipline our children because we understand that sin is no good. It's dangerous. It sets us apart from God, but Jesus is the remedy for that. We're going to learn how to love sacrificially when we get the gospel. I'm going to love my wife better when I get the gospel because I have been loved so much by my God. And I'm going to have cleansing from past mistakes because I'll be the first to tell you I'm not a perfect parent. And I have some very bad days parenting, but the gospel refreshes me each day. And I am not depending on my own righteousness, but on the righteousness of Christ every day. And this is why two of our pillars here at Park Church, number one, we are a word-centered church. Why are we a word-centered church? Because the word presents the gospel. 
our second pillar, our, the other pillar we have, is that we are a gospel-saturated church. The gospel doesn't just save us from our sins, which it does, and it's great, but it continues to do that. We continue to sin, and we continue to need the gospel for the rest of our lives. The gospel is going to be the greatest counseling aspect in your family, in your everyday lives. As you know, we started our uh, Sunday school hour at 9 a.m. That's why we're going through the gospel-centered life is because we see this as very important for us to live our lives. It's so practical for, your, for all day, every day living. And so I encourage you guys, next Sunday, it's not too late, get into those modules at 9 a.m. And we're doing this with the teenagers too. We're all learning the same thing. So Paul, he just gives this simple command. Paul is not being lazy here. I mean, to Paul, it's a no-brainer that children would obey their parents and parents not upset their children. I mean, there's not much else to say, right? After all he's already told us, there's not much left. It's like me going to Patrick Mahomes today. He's got a big game today, and I'm going up to Patrick. I say, hey, patty cakes. That's what I call him on the side. It's okay. He respects me. And he's like... Yes, Trent, what do you got? What do you got for me? I just want to let you know, you've got a good arm. You can throw, dude. You've you, you got a great arm. And not only that, you've got some people on your team that can catch a ball. Okay, tell me more, Trent, says Patty Cakes. Well, you also got a helmet, so you don't have to worry about getting hit too hard. They're going to come after you. You've got pads. Everything's great. Okay, okay, Trent, what else? What else? What do I need to do? What do I do? Do I need to tell him what else to do? No, he knows what he's got. But since he's Patty Cakes Mahomes, i got to tell him, go throw some touchdowns, all right? Go throw some touchdowns. Okay, Trent, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm like, okay, thanks, Patty, for listening to me. And Paul and Colossians, as we've learned so far, says you have what you need what we've been learning, what Brad has been preaching. Look at what we've learned, that those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ have been raised with Christ. Our identity is in him. And because of this, as parents, we possess the power through Christ to put away anger. Do we have any angry parents? Wrath, malice, slander, lying. And because of this, we are brand new creations. And as we follow Christ, we are united in him. And because we are united in him, we have the power to put on compassion in our family, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, and above all, putting on love, which is the glue that's going to bind our families together. Now, children, what are you going to do? You have all of this. If you're a believer in Christ, you have this. Now what? Obey your parents, okay? Obey your parents. Parents, don't exasperate your children. It's like, yeah, okay, Paul, that's what I was going to do. After hearing what you've already said, that's what I was going to do. Imagine if this good news was steeped in your brain every hour all day and into your brain and the brain of your child. Wouldn't that be great? We wouldn't even need to look at the rest of the passage, but... Guess what? Unlike Patrick Mahomes, he's not going to forget what he has. He's going to maybe throw some touchdowns. We'll see. But we're going to forget what we have. Why? Because 
we're humans. We're not perfect. We're forgetful. And like I said, I'm going to be the first to tell you that I am not a perfect parent. Have I provoked my children to wrath? They're sitting here in front of me. Yes, I have provoked my children to wrath. If you weren't here, maybe I'd say no, I haven't, but they're here. They're going to call me out. Um, What could go wrong with a dad and two teenage daughters? Right? I mean, we could sit here all day and talk about what all could go wrong. There's movies and, and shows that are just hilarious showing what all can go wrong with a dad and two teenage girls. Um, just to let you know that I'm not perfect, here's a video of me and Clara back in the day um, exasperating her, if you want to play that. No. No. Provoke not your children to wrath. I love you. Say I love you too. All right. Obviously, I'm not going to be running for president or anything like that. I can show these videos and let you know that I have held my children against their will. Why? Because it's funny. It's crazy to see how angry they get by me just holding them. I'm just loving them. And I told her I loved her. And, um, but yeah, I just, I like messing with people. And there's another video where she wanted to be on my lap and I wouldn't put her on my lap. And she's like, oh, dad. And I don't know, it's sick. It's sick. I'm, a, I'm just as sick as you guys are, okay? This is why we need this text today. Um, and actually, what's, what's really sick about that is I was actually quoting scripture, the scripture we were saying, do not provoke your children to wrath. I'm like saying it and holding her as she is like crying. That's evil. That's twisted. So I'm, I'm first to tell you guys. Children, let's pick on you first. You're here. I'm so glad you're here today. Let's start with you. What does it say? Obey your parents. Yes, obey your parents. Only when they're being nice to you, right? Only when they're being nice to you. Is that what it says? Only when they're going to give you candy if you obey them. Is that what it says? Huh? Children, is that what it says? No. What does it say? Obey your parents in what? Everything. Even when they tell you to eat your kale chips. You guys had to eat kale chips? My girls have had to eat their kale chips. Be lucky you're not in my family. You eat a lot of kale chips. Yeah. Even when you have to clean out cat poop. How many of you kids have had to clean out cat poop? Yeah. It's not, it's not very fun, is it? But even when they tell you to clean out cat poop, obey in everything. Why? Why do we do this? Because it pleases the Lord. We're people pleasers, right? I'm just as much of a people pleaser as you guys. I want to make you guys happy. You guys want to make other people happy. That's what we are. When we start off as kids, we love to see our parents happy. We love to see our teachers happy. And then we grow up to be middle schoolers. And we love to see the opposite sex happy with us and want to approve them. And do things like give up our favorite hoodie and spray cologne or perfume on and give it to the person that we like hoping they approve of us because of the awesome cheap cologne and perfume that they smell and the reminded of them. If those of you guys have social media, we love to have likes, right? 
Imagine if God liked one of your social media texts or whatever you call it. We'd be like, yes, God liked this. God is the creator of the world and the Bible says that he is pleased when you obey. The creator of this world, the creator of all these animals, he notices when you obey. And so when you obey, you can do it first and foremost because God wants you to do it. Hey, I'm okay if you're going to be rebellious with this. If you want to be, if next time your parents say, I need you to clean out the cat poop, and you don't want to do it because you've been working hard all day, you can be like, in your mind, don't say this out loud because it's not going to go well. I'm not going to clean cat poop because you told me to, but because of the Lord. That's a great way to rebel. I'm, I'm okay with that. You don't have to do unto me. Do unto the Lord. And we do this. Another reason why children we need to obey, this is very deep, because it's right. The Ephesians passage says it's right. There's nothing profound here. It's the thing to do because God is right and we are so often wrong and we need to listen to God. He knows what he's talking about. He knows how to make our life work best. How? Why? Because he created us. He knows that. We have a loving God who gives us commands, and sometimes these commands, like obeying your parents, even when they tell you to do difficult things and it seems impossible to do, and it's not fun, when we obey him, we find out that life works best. We've got to take him at his word and trust him. He knows what he's talking about. And Paul proves this by saying in Ephesians 6.3 that if you obey, he quotes some Old Testament here, he says, it may go well with you. And you may have a long life in the land. This was a promise that God made to the Israelites so that they can move forward and prosper. And Paul brings this to you children that if you obey, it's going to go well with you. It may not result in a Target gift card. It may not result in lots of candy, but there is a benefit. Your life will be better somehow, some way. Now think about this. Think about the last time you disobeyed your parents. How did that go? Did your life get better as disobeying your parents, or did it get worse? I think I proved my point, right? Life usually gets worse when we don't obey our parents. Teenagers, you lose access to your phone. You lose freedom. Life just gets worse. There's fighting that goes, that goes on. Life goes better when you obey. And this is serious stuff. God takes this very serious. Look at this passage. I'm almost afraid to show it to you because I don't want you to have nightmares tonight. But Exodus 21:17 says this. Whoever curses his father or his mother must be put to death. Yikes! Whoa! I'm surprised I'm still standing here. Right? Now this was a, this was a command to the Old Testament. I'm still standing here today. I wasn't a perfect kid, okay? God in his love, he, he gave me Jesus. I so desperately need Jesus. But I'm showing this to you because this is how serious God takes this. When we do not obey him, our lives could be short. I mean, imagine me as a parent telling my daughter not to cross the road. And my daughter says, whatever. No, seriously, don't cross the road because there's a big Mack truck coming about 100 miles per hour whatever, what's going to happen? She crosses the road. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty. If you tell your kid, don't eat um, a bag of Skittles and nerds 
and slushies and um, a two liter of Mountain Dew before you go to bed because it's not going to go well with you. Whatever, Dad. You vomit, right? How many of you vomited by too much sugar? Okay, well, all right, we got one that's admitting. Very good. I get it, Trent. You might be saying, I get this, Trent, but my parents are a drag. If you had my parents, come on. This is like impossible. I'm not, I, can't, I can't do this. You know what? That's okay. I can't do it either. I didn't do it. But you know who did do it for us? Jesus. Jesus was perfect for us. That's great news. We even see that Jesus himself had parents who were not perfect. Jesus obeyed perfectly in perfect parents. He did that for us, and he says, you can have that righteousness. I did it for you. But Trent, what if I don't feel like it? You're never going to feel like it. There's very seldom that you're going to feel like obeying your parents. Feelings come and go. But again, we are able to look to Jesus, Jesus, who didn't feel like dying on the cross. He actually pleaded with God the Father. God the Father said, you need to die on the cross for their sins. Jesus pleaded three times not to go to the cross. He wanted to, he wanted to do something for us, but to die a death like that on the cross, he didn't feel like it. But what did he do? He perfectly obeyed God the Father. And look at the outcome. Look at the outcome. It's huge. Jesus did that for us. And children, you can make a huge impact in your family by simple obedience unto the Lord. So obey, okay? Okay, kids? You get the point? All right. Hey, very good, August. I'm sorry I scared you. Let's pick on the fathers. Shall we pick on the fathers now? Okay, it goes on and says, yeah. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Don't provoke your children. Don't embitter them and irritate them by continual agitation. And mothers, you're not off the hook because I read a lot of scholars would say that mothers need to be included in this as well. But we do know the structure that God has that men need to be leading here in this. And um, so don't provoke. Again, I'm not innocent. I got another picture that shows that I'm not innocent in provoking my children. Um, I, had to, I had to watch our kids one day. And they were just being super annoying, and I was being super lazy, okay? Sin, sin equals more sin. And so I stuffed them in this, in this swing, and um, they, don't, they look discouraged, don't they? I discourage them. Yep, I'm just showing you I'm not perfect, guys. I'm not perfect. Why should we not provoke so they won't become discouraged, or as Ephesians says, angry. Paul does not give us ways we discourage, but I thought it would be helpful just to think through some of the ways that we could possibly discourage our children. I've got another book here that I highly recommend, and the, the list I'm going through came out of this book. It's called The Heart of Anger by Lou Priolo. Practical Help for the Prevention and Cure of Anger in Children. Excellent book. Again, you can find this on Amazon as well. And here are some of the things that he has on his list. Number one way we can discourage our children is if the mom and dad are still in the house, if they're still together, by not showing a lack of unity. 
usually when I've done some counseling, when kids have come in for some counseling and there's some major issues going on, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, there's a lack of unity between mom and dad. And Genesis 2.24, such an important passage for mom and dads to see, is that this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. What does this tell us here, moms and dads? Your relationship with your spouse is more important than your relationship with your children. God doesn't tell us to be one with our children. He tells us to be one with each other and with each other for eternity, right? He wants us to be together forever. Our children, if they are capable, should not be with us forever in our home. They eventually leave and move on. Do your kids see that you prioritize unity? And if you're divorced, single mom, single dad, do they see that um, with their mom and dad? Another way that we provoke is, this goes along with what I just said, is by having a child-centered home. As you can see the graph here, you're either going to have a child-centered home or you're going to have a God-centered home. Child-centered home starts with the child. The, the family is focused on the child and their needs and their wants, and the child is like, these people exist for me. Can you see how that becomes a problem? This child that everything is centered on, it gets to his head, and he thinks he's God. And the family is struggling to do everything they can, even neglecting worship on Sunday just to make the child happy, to just do everything. They're finding their identity in their child, and the child doesn't get any better. The child becomes the me monster. Yeah, you're here to serve me. My parents are here to serve me. And they become worse. They become agitated. And so we need to see. Uh, I love Proverbs 29, 15. It says, the rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. And most often, a child-centered home is getting his own way and will bring shame to their mother. The child is not equal here. Before God, yes, we are equal before God. But God has called us to, to lead them. And the child should not see that the family is there to serve them. Another way we discourage is by modeling sinful anger. If your child is an angry child, it could be that they learned it from you. I'm angry. I modeled anger to my kids. How do my kids know anger? Because they've seen it with their dad. Proverbs 22, 24 to 25 says, don't make friends with an angry person and don't be a companion of a hot-tempered one or you will learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. What if that angry person is you? Are they learning anger from you? Are you that person? I tell you, I, I never knew I had an anger problem until I had kids. And when I had kids, I remember the first time uh, Clara was just like, crying, we were going out to eat, and I was angry. I can't even enjoy going out to eat. Or coming home from a hard day work, and Lydia's like, these kids are driving me nuts. You got to go take care of it. And all I was focused on was going home, sitting on the couch, and watching TV. They disrupted my idol of wanting that comfort of watching TV. And I hated that they got in the way, and it just made me angry. 
It wasn't right, but it made me angry. And what happens when you're angry is another way we provoke our children to wrath is we discipline in anger. We're supposed to discipline in love. And I don't know if you've been spanked by your dad. I've been spanked by my dad, and I remember him bringing that belt on my behind and says, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm doing it out of love. And I'm like, I don't know, Dad. You seem very, very angry. We've got to try to discipline out of love. God disciplines us out of love. Remember Proverbs 15.1. This is so practical for us. A gentle answer turns away anger. But what does a harsh word do? It stirs up wrath. You want to you bring up wrath? You know how to bring up wrath. Another way is being inconsistent with discipline. Mom and dads, if you guys are in the same home, be on the same page. There's a big difference a lot of times with parenting styles. My wife, she is more like, she's more strong than I am. I'm passive. I'm like, yeah, whatever. The kids want to do something. I'm usually like, yeah, sure. You want to go run through the worst part of Des Moines at 11 o'clock at night? That's fine. You can do that. But uh, I appreciate my wife because she, she holds down. She, she brings the rules. We need to come together and show unity together and be on the same page and let our yeses be yeses and noes be noes. How many times have you told your kid they can do something and weren't consistent in it? No wonder why your child is confused because one day they were able to do this or not able to do this and then they can or their sibling's able to do it. Consistency is tough. I'll be the first to tell you it is tough to do, but we've got to work at consistency. Another way is by having double standards. Classic example of that is if I yelled at Lydia, Lydia, you got to show me respect. And then Clara's like, yeah, mom, show dad respect. And then I say to Clara, Clara, don't talk to your mom like that. That's double standards, right? Don't have double standards. Another way we can provoke our children is by being legalistic. You have your household rules, right? And you have God rules. Are your household rules on the same level as God's rules? Please don't make that happen. Make sure that there's a distinction between the two. Otherwise, your child, as, as the author says, Lou Priola says, they can grow up with an impression which leads them to conclude that Christianity is antiquated, stale, rigid, nitpicking religion, having never experienced its power to transform lives. That's what can end up happening. And I remember I grew up in a legalistic family. My parents grew. They, they modeled humility, by the way. They, they grew through that and, um, and learned. But starting off, there was a lot of things that I couldn't do. And I remember as a kid being like, man, I can't wait to get out of the house and not be a Christian anymore because when I'm out of the house, I can start listening to Christian rock. I couldn't even listen to Christian rock. So that just shows how, like, how rebellious I was. I wanted to listen to Christian rock. And I wanted to roller skate to pump up the jam. <laughs> couldn't wait to roller skate to pump up the jam. Couldn't wait to get an earring, which I ended up getting later on. After I got out of the house, I got an earring. I couldn't wait to show off my dance skills because I had mad skills. I couldn't go to dances. So I'm like, I'm going to show the world how awesome I am at dancing. And I'm going to start chewing tobacco which ended up getting me nauseous. That didn't work out. But 
Make it, the point is, make a distinction between the two. It's okay, you have your house rules, and you can tell your kids, hey, you know what, you can make an appeal to this, but I have the ultimate say, I have the ultimate authority, and once you're out of the house, you can make your own decisions, but make a distinction. Um, here's a household rule that Homer Simpson has. I like this one. As long as you're in my house, you'll do whatever I do and believe what I believe, so butter your bacon. That's a good household rule, right? Lastly, there's several reasons. I'm just going through a few of them. By not admitting wrong. That is the best way to display the gospel, is to admit that you're wrong. Why? Because you have a house full of sin. You're a sinner. You married a sinner. And you had babies who are each sinners. And the more babies you have, the more sin is in the house. And the more sin is in the house, the more forgiveness must be had. If I'm not asking my kids and my wife for forgiveness, there's a problem. What is that displaying to my children? It's displaying that I have nothing to forgive. I have no, I, I, I'm, I'm perfect. I don't need to ask for forgiveness because I don't sin. This is the best way to display the gospel for them to see humility in your lives. And be specific with it too. Sorry, Clara, that I yelled at you for taking the last donut today. I was being selfish. I was hungry. I didn't have a donut. That's actually making an excuse. Try not to make excuses. I was hungry. I was selfish. I yelled at you. Will you forgive me? That's what we do. We, we go through and we model that to our children. Children, obey your parents in everything, even if they make you mad, because this pleases the Lord. And you will have a much better life if you obey. Parents, don't stir up trouble in your kids. Instead, encourage them to grow in the Lord by modeling what it means to be a gospel-saturated person. Children, your parents are not perfect, and they are going to make you mad. Parents, your children will make you want to scream and pull your hair out and just be very violent to do some very bad things. And in those moments, we've got to trust God and maybe send up little prayers like, God, please help me to trust in you. Because, as I said, the more kids you have, the more sin is going to be in your house. And Paul gives us some commands here, some simple commands through the inspiration of God. And guys, it's impossible to do this. But remember who you are in Christ and what you have. You have been given everything that you need for this life, for godliness. He has given us his word, and that's why we take this very seriously. We want you guys to understand this so that it just reeks throughout your house. If you want your house to run well, if you want your relationships to run well, Make it your goal to make Christ the center of your life. And if you have this, your relationships will start to be better when you do that. When he's the center of your home, there's going to be a fountain of grace, of humility, of forgiveness. There's going to be a fountain of this gospel. And your relationship with Christ is going to be the thermostat in your home. And so I encourage you, Children, work on your relationship with Christ because it's going to help you to have a better relationship with your parents. Parents, work on your relationship with Christ because it's going to help you have you have a better relationship with your kids. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us everything we need for life and godliness. You have 
given us the model of what that looks like, Lord. And in our weakest moments, may we go to you. I'm, I'm reminded of Philippians 2 where Jesus was the perfect example who went to the cross and modeled humility for us. And Lord, we might need to do that every day. In fact, I need to do that every day is go to the cross and see how you were the perfect example for me so that I can live the life that you have created me to live and model that gospel to others. Help us to do that today in our relationships, not with just our, our family, but with our friends and our coworkers as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Brad. Family, come on up. We just show your appreciation to Trent and his hard work on that. Thank you, Trent. We're going to invite his family up here just for a moment, and I'm going to get to ask him a couple of questions, what this looks like practically. And uh, through this God, Christ for My Relationship series, I hope to do this every week. And next week we talk about uh, working in our workplace and managers and being a good worker. And this week we talk about family. And I got a, this microphone back here for Lydia and the girls here. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourselves, girls. If they don't know you, Lydia, you can introduce yourself. And I'll uh, just get a couple of questions as we get going here. So I'm Lydia, Trent's wife, the mother of these girls. I'm Clara, the daughter of my dad. <laughs> I'm Ruby. <laughs> excellent, excellent. All right, girls, I'm going to start with you guys, okay? Uh, so what is something that your parents do that is really funny? Um, they think it's really funny, but it's not. <laughs> um, pretty much if you go on any of their social media, they post a lot of videos. And you don't like those videos? You don't no. think they're funny? Okay. Well, some of them are. Some of them are. Have you? And her TikTok account is also. It's ridiculous. So you don't, so <laughs> mom funny. thinks it's hilarious and everyone else are, we think it's, but you guys are like, no. no. Okay. <laughs> they'll, they'll think it's funny later on. Yeah. Yeah. The jokes they make, they think they're funny, but they're not. <laughs> <laughs> so, girls, the question was, what do you think the ki your parents do that is funny? Not, okay. <laughs> it's hard. They're not really that funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Ruby. Brutal oh, honesty. man. That's all right. I'm cool with that. What do you guys, you guys have done a lot of family vacations, right? What's you guys' favorite when you think back on those? Um, probably any time we go to Eureka Springs, Arkansas. That's not just like once. We've done that multiple times, but yeah. that's like my favorite. Awesome. Rubes, would you agree with that? Or? I like going to New York and just seeing all the big buildings and stuff. Yeah. Nice. New York City once. Fantastic. That's great. All right. One more question for you girls. All right. How does, is it always enjoyable to obey mom and dad? No. No. Is it, is it ever like enjoyable? No, really, it's not. I'm mean, going to be honest, right? So how does that, knowing that you're really obeying God, maybe shape the way that you obey mom and dad? Um, it makes it easier because, like, sometimes my parents are annoying me, and I obey them. I'm doing it for God, like you said, and, like, it's easier to do it for God than if your parents are annoying you. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Rubes? You got anything to add to that? I agree with her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a... You, your heart for Christ, how connected you are to Jesus and growing in him is directly going to affect the way that you obey mom and dad, right? If you are not connected to God and growing in him and wanting to honor him, are you going to honor your parents well? No. So really it starts with a love for Jesus 
and uh, that, that translates into a love for mom and dad, but that doesn't always make it easy, right? There's still some work that's involved, isn't there? Yeah, that's good. Well, well you guys can interject at any point during this conversation, but uh, I'm going to turn to mom and dad now and ask them some questions. Sound good? Mm-hmm. All right, awesome. Okay, parents, how do you pursue unity together? What's that look like? If that's one of the things that not provoke your kids is to be unified. Lydia, why don't you answer right. that one? Well, I feel like a lot of time. I mean, it's communicating constantly. Like, Trent and I have to talk a lot about it. So, um, like he said, I do tend to be a little more, like, rigid, draw the line, you know. And he's very, very passive. And just, what? You know, everything's fine. Like, and so we, we talk a lot about it. We try not to have it happen right in front of them. This is kind of weird because you guys are going to find out all our secrets right now. Like, what we do to... <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, we, we, so like you, all you other parents out there have felt that when you're like trying to solve a problem together, but you haven't really talked about it first and you're trying to like, and then it just, it doesn't go well usually. So then we will try to like talk about it, not with them and then come back and yeah. 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 And I think you have to, um, oh, you, I guess you have a microphone. Yeah. I don't, you don't need this. You have to, as like, as a dad, anytime your wife is going to tell you that you're not parenting right you're going to be defensive and so that's where humility comes in and um, I actually learned this from you when, when I'm told that I'm doing something wrong I say good rebuke good rebuke and um, that that puts me at a place where I'm I'm humble enough to listen so you got to be humble enough to listen to each other and that's that's hard work um, but a little trick that Brad told me years ago is just good rebuke it's just like you got something that you need to tell me and yeah. That's good. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this this week in regard to single parents, right? Uh, how do you be unified together if you aren't together? Mm. That's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thinking about that in just regards to talking the best you can about your ex or about their dad or their mom. Right. Speaking well of them as much as you can, showing that unity together, I think is, is important. But yeah. okay. Awesome. Uh, so what are some examples then of a, how do you fight against having a child-centered home and, and instead having a God-centered home? What does that look like for you guys? Yeah, because it, it is easy to end up having a child-centered home. And Lydia and I have already said many times, we already feel like sometimes we have a child-centered home because we're not giving them enough chores to do. And we're like, oh, they're just like, Staying in their rooms and... Well, it's easy because you want to avoid conflict. So it does go smoother if Trent and I just take care of everything. Then we don't have a battle. So that can tend to turn into like we're working like crazy and they're doing nothing (laughs) just to keep the peace. But we have to not do that anymore, don't we, Trent? Yeah, again, it's... um, it's (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes, dear. Yes, dear. You're right. Good rebuke, good Good rebuke. But I think you hit on something there, though. It is easier to have a child-centered home, right? Mm -hmm. It's much easier. Mm -hmm. But anything that's hard is going to bring better results most of the time, especially in regards to this, right? Mm -hmm. So it is a fight to have a God-centered home, but the end result is going to be much different, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. How do you... How do you guys, well, what are some of the house rules? Do you guys have any of those kids? Some of the house rules you guys have? Cat boxes. Cat boxes, that's a real reality. You switch off every other week. You switch on and off every week. You have two cats. That's a lot of cat Three dumb. litter boxes. Three litter boxes. Wow. Any other house rules or is that about it? 
dishes. Dishes. Excellent. Yeah. So how do you guys then? So like chores. So chores. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. House like rules. House rules. But it's okay. I mean, that's, yeah. So it sounds like we need to clearly define what the house rules are, right? Yeah. Could you get a chalkboard in the kitchen with those on there? I yeah. think that would be yeah. good I've to put up. I've that so many times. It works. <laughs> uh, we have great ideas. Don't we? When, when you're first a parent, you're like, I'm going to do it so much better than my mom and dad did, and I'm going to do it all right. And then you get into it, and you're like, I'm doing exactly what my mom and dad did, and even worse, right? Yep. So it's that extension of showing grace and saying it's much harder than we ever realized, but it's a, it's a work and it takes work. And, and uh, so how do you give rules without being legalistic, hmm. right? Because there's some, th some things that kids just don't understand, right? So how do you give rules maybe that are centered around the gospel without being a legalist? Yeah, that's a good question. It is a great question. Are you, did are you, you want to answer Are you going to talk first? Well, I was just going to say, like, always going for their heart, not for their actions. Like, looking at what made them do what they're, what the sin that they're doing. Like, I tried, I tried to, I even had, like, this little, like, I don't even remember who wrote it, but it was, like, a, like the sin that your kid commits and then what they're not getting that's making them sin. And then you, there's a verse to, like, help that. And I loved it because it would just, like, if one of them was being really selfish, then I could go talk to them and try to go after like, you know, you grabbed that from your sister, that, that was wrong, but like why, why, what was in your heart that made you do that? What did, what did you feel like you weren't getting or whatever? So I, that, that kind of happens more when they're little. It gets tricky when they're teenagers. I will say that much. Yeah. A little more tricky. Yeah, and it was easier when they were, when they were little ones. Um, we, I, th I, th I feel like I did, I more often told them that you are first and foremost to obey God, and God wants you to obey your parents, and, and this is what's right. So trying to get that in their heads is, um, I obey my parents because God wants me to obey my parents. And um, then, like I said earlier, just making a distinction between what God says and what parents say is, is good. Good. Uh, how do you, last question, uh, how do you not talk about your sin with your kids in just the past tense? Why is that important to talk about your present struggles with your kids mm -hmm. and confess your current sin rather than just, what's the danger of only talking in past tense with your kids about your own struggles and sins? I think one of the dangers is them getting this impression that you don't need the gospel in your life. And um, you're, I mean, you're not modeling humility that way because obviously you are going to be sinning every day in the present and you're, I'm, on the, I'm on the same page same page as you guys are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sin maybe just as many times as you guys have sinned today. So um, it's important for them to see that so that Jesus, as we learned in our, in our uh, module this, this morning, is that Jesus is bigger. He is most glorified in our family when we see more and more of our sin in our lives. And they're, they're impacted a lot more by observing than what you're telling them anyway. Like, they're always watching what we're doing. So, like, it's, they're gonna, that's gonna affect them a lot more than telling them a rule or telling them not to do something, too. Yeah. But. yeah, absolutely. That's great. Hey, as a church, we wanna have healthy families. We know that parenting and being a kid can be challenging. And uh, we want you to know that we have an emphasis on biblical counseling. So if you are, you need some, everybody needs help, needs re restructuring and help. 
Uh, we'd love for you to come in, get an appointment with us, and we'd love to help you. Uh, these guys are certified biblical counselors, and they'd love to counsel you and help you along the way uh, with your parenting and as parents, okay? All right, so uh, with that being said, we're so glad that you're here today. I'm going to ask Lydia to close some prayer, and uh, we'll have you be dismissed after that. Let's pray. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. I thank you so much for um, everyone that came out here to Park Church, and I just thank you for the family that we have together. And Lord, I pray that we're, we're all feeling really pumped up and ready to roll right now, but I pray that um, as the week goes on, we wouldn't let... Um, distractions hinder us from doing what we know is right. I pray that we would um, apply what we've learned. I pray that we would all stay in the word and be talking to you a lot to help us get through the week. And we just praise you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for um, the, the freedom we have because of him. In your name we pray. Amen.